Hello, Ted. Hello. Neil. <laughs> so good to see you this morning. Well, thank you. We have a, uh, a church uh, that's full while um, keeping to social distancing here this morning. Oh. Uh, so we weren't able to bring in all, all comers who would like to be here. But uh, there are many that were watching online uh, here today. And uh, I know this uh, crisis has racked the world. I think I was supposed to be in Indianapolis this weekend, and we were supposed to be serving the underserved in Indianapolis with free medical care, and that had to be canceled. And I know a lot of other things, including our own general conference, has had to be postponed. Uh, can you give us a little picture about what is happening throughout the world? I'm sure you're hearing some things, because this is a worldwide crisis, not just a national crisis. Well, first of all, let me wish uh, all of you a happy Sabbath. And uh, it's three hours later here in Maryland. We're housebound, and uh, as, as most of the planet is right now. But uh, I, the Lord is doing amazing things through a lot of creative church members. Uh, we have all kinds of things happening on social media, all kinds of videos people are making to bring hope and encouragement to people, uh, all kinds of special services that are taking place. Uh, we also have people who are uh, currently thinking because we're trying to urge people to think about what's going to happen post-coronavirus, uh, because I would say, I mean, I have no way of predicting. You're a physician. You may know a little more than I do, uh, you know, within the medical profession as to when things will subside. But I'm saying within, you know, six to eight weeks, we may have an unprecedented opportunity worldwide of a period which I'm just suggesting could be six to nine months, when when people are when people are able to start circulating, when they're start able to start talking with others in a more personal way, uh, we're going to have literally millions of people who are going to be asking so many questions. Uh, why did this happen? Uh, how did I get through and no, someone else didn't? Uh, where was God in all of this? Or who, who is God? What, what, is the, what does the Bible have to say about these kinds of things? In fact, G.T. Ng sent me an interesting uh, uh, piece of uh, information the other day that apparently during this uh, COVID-19, uh, Bibles are just selling like amazing. Mm -hmm. And uh, people are just wanting to know answers. So uh, just uh, Friday, I think it was, yeah, I think yesterday we had, well, let me just tell you that like your event in Indianapolis with the uh, special uh, health expo that was going to take place, the general conference session, of course, is now postponed until May 20 to 25, 2021 in Indianapolis. We have shortened uh, the actual uh, general conference session. We're, we've done away with most peripheral activities. We're really going to focus on the business and the mission of the church, which is to proclaim the three angels' messages and Christ's soon coming. But um, many, many things have, have changed and have uh, been altered. But 
in the next few weeks, we're going to have this opportunity of sharing immensely with people who have questions and people like in um, uh, in South America, because we're still in we're still carrying on spring meeting of the executive committee, and uh, that will take place um, over Zoom. Uh, we have all these pre-meetings, board meetings, all taking place over Zoom, like we're doing right today. And uh, we're getting kind of zoomed out, but still, <laughs> uh, you know, business is continuing. But we had interviews with a number of the divisions, and we will on Sunday. We'll have about another, oh, I don't know, seven or eight uh, interviews, uh, six, seven, eight interviews. But in South America, I learned that one of the unions is planning to give 20,000 food baskets to people who are poor and in need because the economic fallout from this is going to be horrendous. So the Lord is doing all kinds of things through his people worldwide. Uh, last night I was on for about an hour and a half with a, a group from the Atlantic Union, the president of the union, the president of Northeastern Conference, Greater New York Conference, Bermuda Conference. And we found out the sad news last night that in the New York area, basically uh, metropolitan New York, we've had uh, about 42 Seventh-day Adventists who have died. Mm. And uh, New York has been hit so badly. Mm. So, and then there was one person in Bermuda but this can be explained all across the world. We've had people, as I understand it, die in Spain, Adventists, and of course, all the general public. And so many people have been hit with this thing. And, uh, you know, you just realize we have a wonderful opportunity to share God's word and hope. And that's why we're encouraging Seventh-day Adventists everywhere to be anchors of stability and pillars of hope. Because the Lord is going to use his people in this time. Is this the final crisis? No. We know from biblical prophecy that uh, things still have to develop a little more. Uh, but I believe this is a real precursor to what's coming coming up. Is this one of the seven last plagues? No. We know that certain events have to take place. This is certainly a pestilence. This is certainly a horrible thing that has come. But it's a wake-up call. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm getting started here and preaching almost, and I, I have a few other things to say, but I'm going to be guided by you. <laughs> well, no, we're, we're very glad to hear them. You know, I know your uh, thesis back when you were a young man was actually about New York City and about reaching it through medical missionary work and health. Um, knowing that thesis and background and what's happening now are there any um, words or, or things, stories of encouragement or joy that you're seeing surfacing um, through different sectors of the world from this uh, disappointment of COVID-19? Well, in general, Seventh-day Adventists, because of their very basic uh, dependence upon God and the Word of God and the instruction in the spirit of prophecy and through the amazing connection we have with heaven through prayer. And I, I don't know how people get through without prayer. Uh, it's Amen. just a, an amazing way to, to reinforce your spiritual connection with the throne room of heaven where you truly get 
the, the power and the understanding of how to get through these things. So Adventists are truly trying to be in appropriate social distancing ways, uh, you know, these anchors of stability and, and pillars of hope. When the world around them is in a chaotic situation, people are distraught, they're, they're in panic. Uh, I saw a picture, yes, I saw a picture uh, yesterday and, and, and it came up also uh, when I was looking at something even today, which I don't normally look at news on Sabbath, but I saw this grief stricken picture of health professionals in Spain hmm. who are who were just mourning the loss of a fellow health professional. And you could just see the grief on their faces. Hmm. And this is where Adventists need to step in, not just sequester themselves in such ways that they're not interacting in appropriate ways, but bringing the encouragement to people. Just this morning, I was uh, online on, on Zoom again uh, with Hope Channel Ghana, and uh, trying to bring encouragement to our people in, in West Africa. So uh, people all over the place are realizing something unusual is happening. Mm -hmm. And by God's grace, I want to be part of sharing real hope because the Lord has his plans uh, of, of, of second coming, which is an amazing welcome to all of this miserable uh, and difficult disease and sin-filled world. So yes, Adventists are doing their part, but the big challenge and the big test is gonna come when people are released from their bondage in their homes and are able to mix and mingle with people. I mean, you can do stuff even now. I mean, uh, just the other day uh, I was walking and I, you know, we live a bit in the country, so I was walking along my road and I was able to meet three neighbors and, you know, appropriate distancing in a way and all that. But uh, one of the neighbors we had talked to, Nancy and I had talked to just a few days ago, she and her husband were outside and we were talking and encouraging them. We've prayed with them before and encouraged them. And this lady, and, and I saw her again, I said, it was really nice to be able to chat with you the other day. and encouraged about your husband's faith and this kind of thing. And she later, and this is just about three days ago, she stopped Nancy. I guess she was driving somewhere and Nancy was out walking and she stopped and she said, could you give me something that can tell me what your church believes? Hmm. And you know, just simple association with people is gonna bring people to a knowledge that Seventh-day Adventists because of the Holy Spirit working through them, they have something that the world needs to know about. Amen. Well, thank you for that story. And we're open for whatever else you have for us. So go ahead. <laughs> well, I just thought maybe I could share a little bit from the Word of God. Great. Uh, marvelous. Of course, the book of Psalms brings a lot of encouragement to us during uh, times of crisis and crises. Uh, the first verse in Psalm 57, I mean, there are so many Psalms that can relate, but this one I thought was really particularly applicable to this situation. 
And the psalmist was saying here, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. He was emphasizing it twice. I mean, pleading with the Lord for my soul trusts in you. I think one of the biggest things that Adventists can encourage others with is a trust in God, Uh uh, an understanding that there is a higher power that you can actually place yourself in that higher power's care, in God's hands. And it says here, uh, and in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge. I mean, there are all kinds of allusions you can come up with. I mean, God in his protective power with this, these giant wings and all of us as baby chicks are underneath these wings of protection. I mean, it's a beautiful, a beautiful thought uh, that, that I think can encourage people. And then it goes on to say, until these calamities have passed by. Hmm. What an amazing uh, verse for this particular uh, situation. Um, I look at uh, just a few psalms later in Psalm 62, and it says, My soul waits silently for God alone, verse 5 in Psalm 62, for my expectation is from him. When you place yourself under the wings of God, when you understand he is your refuge and strength and protection, you can expect something extraordinary from God. Uh, then it says, he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. That's the message we need to be bringing, and not only for now, but a refuge for the future, because uh, this is not over. I mean, we're going to be heading into the very final days of Earth's history, I believe, and I'm not date-setting, and I don't think anyone should ever do that, Uh, but I believe we are living in the very, very end of time, and that's why institutions like uh, Weimar Institute uh, are so important. You're trying to follow closely the, the, the schools of the prophets in the, in, in the scripture. You're trying to, in every way possible, uh, follow the spirit of prophecy counsel. Uh, and I just admire that, and I appreciate it so much. I just praise God for what Weimar is doing. And your witness is just a, a marvelous opportunity. Uh, I want to just draw your attention to something in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and uh, verse 16, 17, and 18. says, therefore, we do not lose heart. You know, there are just a lot of people who are losing heart. They don't know what's happening, where, where we're going. Is this the end? Uh, what's going to happen? The, the nation has been shut down. The, the globe has been shut down. I tell you, this is an unprecedented time. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I've been through situations, you know, where you, you're in a country where there's, you know, an attempted coup or there's a problem and insurrection and, and all kinds of things. Uh, when I was a, a young boy, I was living in, in Egypt and uh, went through the Suez Canal crisis. Uh, my mother, my sister and I were shipped out of 
of Egypt. The U.S. Sixth Fleet came, picked us up in Port Said, and took us to Italy. And, uh, you know, and all the missionaries left except my father. He stayed in in uh, in Egypt to reassure our church members. He didn't want them to think we're all all abandoning them. And he had a particular gift, uh, which I think is an important one that that many of us should have. And that is he made friends with government officials and uh, explained who Adventists were, tried to help the government to know that we're there to help. And uh, as a result, he was a very good friend of the governor of Cairo. And so the governor during that period of time was so touched that my father would be remaining there, I guess. And so he sent two emplacements of machine guns that were placed in the front yard of the Nile Union Mission to protect my father during the Suez Canal crisis. Wow. And, uh, but my dad came and visited us in Beirut. We were there for about five months. But you know, you go through all these things and, you know, life is, is challenging. But I have never seen a situation like this. Hmm. Yes, pandemics, 1918, 1919, influenza killed millions of people around the world. It was terrible. But I have never seen something like this where the whole world, because of social media, because of instant communication, uh, electronic uh, transmission of information immediately, the whole world seems to have come to a halt <laughs> in order to try to stop this virus, which means a lot of personal flexibility and maneuverability has come to a halt. I've never seen that in my lifetime. And, you know, that uh, quotation about the the final movements will be rapid ones. I mean, that's a big explanation right there. We also know that the Lord's work is going to be very rapid at the end of time. Mm -hmm. But it says here, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And that's where revival and reformation, where our personal connection with the Lord must be so strong. And our, uh, our understanding of who we are as a people and our prophetic role in the end of time scenario. I mean, that's where your students fit in, where the faculty at, at Weimar, the health professionals, everyone is part of this. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, I mean, in the span of time, our affliction is not that long, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Our characters are being perfected. That sanctification is, is at, at work. We're justified by Christ's grace. We're sanctified through the power of God. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary but the things which are not seen are eternal. And that's what we have to focus on personally and also to help others to see that eternal values and God's intervention in our life, his, self, his saving power and everything that he has put into place, the sanctuary service, the understanding that he is doing everything possible to save humankind so that uh, he can come very soon and take us home. These are eternal truths that, that have to be shared in a marvelous way with people. And I, I just want to end with uh, 
reading a few things from Christian Service, which is a tremendous book, a wonderful compilation, which essentially it could be titled Total Member Involvement. <laughs> the GC didn't come up with this idea. This was from, from the beginning of time. The Lord wants his people to all be part of, of reaching out. And, of course, uh, at Weimar, you've taken this to another level, and I congratulate you for it. Total community involvement, total campus involvement. And your, your community has responded beautifully, I think, to that outreach. But in this book on page 52, it actually comes from Testimonies for the Church, Volume 9. And I hope, uh, you know, I know your students there at Weimar, they are great believers in the spirit of prophecy. But read the great controversy, especially the, the last chapters and ones about the, the one about the impending conflict and things like that. Uh, it's time to dust off those books and really get into it. Uh, but in, in this uh, Christian service, page 52, it comes from Testimonies, volume 9. If you really want to have an interesting read, look at pages 11 to 17 in Testimonies, volume 9. And it talks about the final crisis. Uh, but this is a citation from that. And we learned the other day, uh, <clears throat> Ellen White Estate gave us some information that that particular section in Testimonies, Volume 9, was actually pulled together by Ellen White in 1909. Mm -hmm. Now, that's 111 years ago. Mm -hmm. What we read is almost like she wrote it yesterday. Yeah. And uh, parts of that section even came from some earlier parts, and then she pulled this together. <clears throat> Excuse me, for the, for the Testimonies for the Church, Volume 9. But listen to this. The days in which we live are solemn and important. The Spirit of God is gradually but surely being withdrawn from the earth. Now, that was 111 years ago. Hmm. Plagues and judgments are already falling upon the despisers of the grace of God. Hmm. I mean, how more appropriate could it get what is being written? The calamities by land and sea, the unsettled state of society, the alarms of war are portentous. I mean, it's, it's telling us something. They forecast approaching uh, events of the greatest magnitude. And COVID-19, uh, coronavirus, COVID-19 is, is a huge thing. It's, it's unbelievable. Great changes. Well, no, let, me, let me just read this. The agencies of evil are combining their forces and consolidating. Mm -hmm. We know that... Uh, the devil is rejoicing over this because he is destabilizing everyone. But we can consolidate under the mighty banner of, of God, and he can help to uh, negate all of this. They, the agencies of evil, are strengthening for the last great crisis. Now, this is 111 years ago. How much more is this applicable today? Great changes are soon to take place in our world and the final movements will be rapid ones. Mm -hmm. And just one final quote here on page 99. We need to look constantly to Jesus, realizing that it is his power which does the work. While we are to labor earnestly for the salvation of the lost, and in a few weeks, whenever that happens and we're liberated from our homes, we're going to be able to do even more. But... We must also take time for meditation, for prayer, 
and for the study of the Word of God. Amen. And that's the foundation of how God is going to work through his last day people. Now, this last generation that will proclaim the message, because I think we're just so close to the end. Only the work accomplished with much prayer and sanctified by the merit of Christ will in the end prove to have been efficient for good. And as we are in the 100 days of prayer and people all over the world are participating in the 100 days of prayer, uh, I know that students and faculty, staff at Weimar are going to continue to be a mighty influence for good as you participate in the last proclamation of the three angels' messages of Revelation 14 with Christ at the very center, his righteousness turning people back to the worship of God, the fourth angel of Revelation 18, calling people out of, of misunderstanding and confusion uh, into the true church. And God is going to use you and your students and your faculty in a continued marvelous way. I praise God for how he's doing that now. And just remember, Jesus is coming soon. Amen. Well, thank you so much for these encouraging words, uh, Ted. Uh, I wish you could see the looks on the faces of the students uh, and some of the faculty uh, here uh, as you were um, giving uh, that important message for us. But uh, God bless you, and uh, we hope after this opens up that maybe we can see you at Weimar in person soon. Well, we, we had planned on that. We were going to, in a few days, we were supposed to leave for Papua New Guinea uh, to help hold evangelistic meetings there. Uh, one of about 2,000 evangelistic meetings that were going to be across that uh, island nation. Hmm. But that has been postponed. And we'll be doing that probably in January, February of next year, Lord willing. Uh, and we were going to swing by at the end of that. We were also going to go to Timor-Leste and dedicate a open a new uh, school there, a beautiful new school in that little tiny island nation. Then we were going to swing by Weimar for the graduation of the secondary school, I think it was, the academy. Yes, correct. But, you know, the Lord has uh, has things in control, and one of these days we'll get out there again. We believe in you. God bless you. Thank you very much. And all the people said? The crisis that has rocked this world has a lot of uh, spiritual applications, and we're just going to discuss a few of those um, here today. And when you um, hear about a virus, hopefully you'll be able to see it from a broader perspective uh, in the future. Viruses have a lot to do, or a lot of parallels, I should say, with a subject that is hardly discussed in the Christian world today. You don't hear sermons on this very much at all. Uh, and it's the subject that the Bible speaks a lot of, and it's the subject of sin. And there's a lot of parallels. First of all, viruses can be very deadly, as we know about COVID-19 and HIV and hepatitis viruses and B and C, and the list could go on, leukemia viruses. 
And characteristics of deadly viruses is they have a bilipid outer membrane that is nearly identical to our own cells' membranes. In fact, our cells have a very hard time distinguishing the difference. This virus can come up just as a result of you being out in public and happen, happening to touch your mouth after you touch a surface that has this virus, and the virus particle can attach to your cells and gain entrance into your cell. Once it does that, it hijacks your cell. And it takes the cell's own good resources and focuses that cell into replicating the virus particle to the harm of the cell and the harm of the system. And so it's using your own God-given cells and resources to actually replicate sin, we might say. And this will ultimately result in a war that will either kill the individual or it will require a significant team of resources on behalf of the body's own resources to attack the virus which, if done correctly, will eventually be wiped out to ultimately never gain access again. The virus will be completely gone, and it won't be able to, if attempted, be able to get back into the cell because next time it's going to be recognized immediately. The Bible says sin, it gives us the definition, it's the only definition of sin given by John, the beloved, uh, the one who was closest to Jesus here on earth, and he said, sin is the transgression of the law. And the one who wrote most of the New Testament tells us the result of sin. What are the wages of sin? The wages of sin is death. And so let's take a look at viral pathology. The first part of viral pathology is what we call the pre-infection phase. This is when the cells are healthy, and this is when they can come in contact with the virus. And the world is currently obsessed with trying to stay in phase one. We want to stay in that pre-infectious phase for good reason because we know this virus can kill. It won't kill everybody. It won't even kill the majority of people. But we know it will kill a significant minority of people. And so the world is on lockdown. So people don't get the virus. What are some of the um, methods that are being used to keep us in the pre-infectious phase? Anyone? Social distancing. What else? What's that? Masks. Yes, the wearing of masks. First the CDC said you don't need to wear masks, but now they're saying wear masks. I don't think you can go out in public in America today without seeing a lot of people wearing masks. In the hospital itself, all the hospital employees, all the hospital physicians wearing masks trying to stay in that pre-infectious phase. What else? Hand washing. The cleansing 
of the skin. Fortunately, this virus doesn't gain access through the skin itself if our skin has good integrity. And so keeping that skin clean can help us a great deal. That's a very important aspect. And of course, it's washing through just soap and water, fortunately. It does a great job. After 20 seconds, this virus is completely eradicated. That lipid layer is totally deactivated, can't gain entrance into the cell anymore. Or a high amount of alcohol, um, 60 70% alcohol. And of course, the experts tell us this is also not to just not get the virus, but to flatten the curve so we don't get the curve so steep that it overwhelms our ICUs and our ventilators. Are there any additional practices that will help you not get it now? Have we, have we missed any? Okay. Uh, yes. Um, that has to do with the immune system part of things. Uh, but that's if the virus is already in contact. Um, so we'll get to that later. We might ask ourselves the question, how do we not get the virus of sin? You know, in reality, which is more dangerous, COVID-19 or sin? Some of you are saying sin. Why is sin more dangerous? Okay, somebody said it was going to affect, it can cause eternal death. And COVID-19 can cause the death of our life here on this earth. But sin can cause eternal death. But then someone else talked about percentages. I heard the word percent over here. Percent. Okay, tell us, uh, what about percent? What did you say? Sin will kill 100%. Okay, sin has a far greater likelihood of causing eternal death than what COVID-19 has in causing physical death. It is a much higher percentage. Now, if we don't go through the cure, you're exactly right, 100%. But fortunately, we're going to talk about there is a cure for this virus as well. So, if we're going to talk about not getting the virus of sin, we have to talk about not getting exposed to it. What can we do to decrease our risk of exposure of this pre-infectious phase? Someone says not much? What's that? Okay, guard the avenues of the soul. You know, there are things that we can do. Um, We might say not much. I know some were saying on COVID-19, it's going to go around, just develop herd immunity, why are we going through all these measures? There's not much we can do. It's eventually going to go 40 to 70%. That wasn't the prevailing opinion. The 40 to 70% is still prevailing opinion. But it's not a prevailing opinion that we can't prevent ourselves from getting in contact with it. Otherwise, this whole global shutdown would be kind of the biggest foolish thing that the world has ever done globally. <laughs> uh, and so... Uh, But there are things that we can do, actually. Guarding the avenues of the soul. Specifically, what can we do to guard the avenues of the soul? You know, I find it interesting. The world is willing to shut down nightclubs, sporting events, weddings, conferences, even churches, 
so we don't get the virus. But, you know, a large part of movies and entertainment is actually watching people sin on the set. You're actually coming in contact with it. You're watching people carrying out sin. You're seeing uncontrolled anger. You're seeing lust. You're seeing adultery. You're seeing the violation of the of good, kind, and loving speech. Movies are filled with these sorts of things. And when you're watching a movie, you can't really do anything about it. When that sin is there, you just got to sit there and watch it and take it in. Can't really intervene at that point. And this is something that Enoch himself was very concerned about. Not just Enoch, but virtually everyone that's going to make it eternally was concerned about being so much in contact with the world and what the world does that sin would become not so sinful. And sin would not seem to be that bad a thing. And that's a dangerous place to be. And of course, when we see these things on Hollywood, the consequences don't seem to be that bad. Very often, they don't show you all of those consequences. They might show you a few here and there. But overall, largely, the good actors get by with it. But we really need to be more vigilant in avoiding ourselves coming in contact with sin then we actually are vigilant in coming in contact with COVID-19. And we also need to realize avoiding COVID is not just about you. It's also about protecting others. And how careful are we in protecting others from the virus of sin? A COVID person who's infected could, or even if they don't know they're infected yet, they just got a cold and they're coughing, they might say, there's no way I'm going to cough in my elbow. If he wants to be protected, he should find and wear an N95 mask. I'm not going to cough in my elbow. That's kind of silly. Anyone know what N95 means? How did it get its name? N95 means that it prevents 95% of the viruses gaining access to those nasal and oral passages. Is that 100%? The best you can get is an N99 mask. You can imagine those are even harder to find today than the N95, but even that doesn't get rid of all of them and doesn't protect you completely. And so this idea that you just need to protect yourself, I'm not going to do anything to help you, of course we would ridicule that today. We might say, did I touch my mouth? Oh well, I'm going to touch this grocery item anyways just to look at it. I'm not sure if I want it or not, but if I don't buy it, it's not my problem if someone picks up the virus from me. I do have a bad cold right now, but I do need the grocery shop. What do we think about people like this? 
Even our secular media would say these are people that need to be contained. There was one woman that was going around doing that. She had COVID-19 in Texas, and she was going around places and touching lots of things. And of course, they looked for it. I found out about this a few days ago. I didn't see if they found her yet. But if they do, she's going to be in deep trouble, endangering the public health. And in a similar fashion, lust of the flesh, which Christ tells us is a sin, is not just about you. In Acts 15 in the Jerusalem Council, the part of the Mosaic Law that still applies to Christians of all ages are the laws regarding sexual impurity. If you go through those laws in the book of Moses, they apply to Christians today. That's what the Jerusalem Council decided. And in Leviticus 18, it was read out loud to every man, woman, and child every year after the Day of Atonement service. Even the youngest were to read Leviticus 18, which had all of those rules that were to help us not to confront lust of the flesh even in a family setting, even in a a whole number of settings, if you read Leviticus 18. Leviticus 18 still applies to Christians today. And the Song of Solomon, not just once, but three times, says, do not stir up or awaken love before it pleases. There's lots of education on how to prevent contracting the virus going around today. But when a woman or man is showing their nakedness or the form of their nakedness, what are they doing? What I see them doing is coughing into the face of an innocent person while they have a bad infection or cold. There's no difference. They are exposing you to a virus that can take hold in the heart. Now, it doesn't mean that they're 100% responsible. Yes, the person could have worn a mask. Yes, there might have been other things that they could have done to protect it. But often we just blame one when in reality there is more than one party involved in the spreading of the virus of sin. They're stirring up lust, is what they're doing. Now, having, after having lived as long as I have, I've come in contact with a lot of these people. And I can tell you, when they dress provocatively, and they know they're dressing provocatively, by the way, not everyone necessarily knows that, particularly if they're very young, uh, but eventually they find out Uh, that it is provocative dress. But when they dress provocatively, they're thinking in their mind, I don't want to have everybody lust after me. I'm just after this person to try to get him to lust after me or trying to get her. But they dress that way in public and they're affecting everybody and often the one that they're actually trying to manipulate doesn't get manipulated by them. 
but it's the ones they're not trying to manipulate that do end up getting manipulated by them. Stirring up lust. And it's just as ludicrous as a known COVID-positive sick person coughing in your face. So next time you're tempted to lust after someone who isn't following Leviticus 18, just get the global picture of them coughing in your face with a terrible virus. And it'll be a lot easier to turn your head and go another direction. We're told in Testimonies, Volume 9, the most solemn truths ever entrusted to mortals have been given us to proclaim to the world. The proclamation of these truths is to be our work. The world is to be what? Warned, and God's people are to be true to the trust committed to them. As much as the world is warning you on how to not get COVID-19 or spread it, we ought to be more vigilant in warning the world against the virus of sin and how not to take that upon ourselves and not spread it to others as well. Phase two of the viral infection. This is the incubation phase. Most of the exposed during this phase will get infected if they're exposed on their mucous membranes. And when you are infected, at first, you have no idea. You don't know it. You're in that asymptomatic phase. Now, it's interesting, you actually can be exposed, we'll talk about this, but never get the infection and never replicate the virus. That's a minority of people that will be able to do that. But in phase two, the incubation phase is different for viruses. I'm sure a lot of you have learned about COVID-19, even more so than even more common viruses. How long is the incubation phase of COVID-19? What did somebody say? Two to what? Uh, it's actually, in the, it's measured in days. You're forgiven because you're a theology student. I see some nursing students here today. What's the incubation phase of, of uh, the COVID-19 virus? Okay, two to 14 days. Actually, some is as little as 24 hours, so one to 14 days, but that's very good. That's a bachelor's of nursing student that got that one right. So uh, during this phase, the incubation phase, this is what the wise man was speaking about in Ecclesiastes. He says, because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. What is he saying here? He's speaking here of the virus of sin. But what he's saying is because there's no immediate consequences to harmful behavior, the harmful behavior is thought to be what? Harmless or even desirable. And this is what happens in most cases when the virus of sin starts to infect us. It doesn't seem like anything bad is happening at all. Ellen White describes it this way. She says, temptations from without find an answering cord within the heart, and the feet turn imperceptibly toward evil. This is the virus of sin. The temptation from without, that virus is outside of us, finds an answering cord within, 
and the feet turn obviously or imperceptibly toward evil. The asymptomatic phase. Partaking of the sin of lust, for instance. Often there's no harmful effects detected. And in fact, some people will think it kind of helps them. It seems to actually perk me up. Gives me something to be motivated about. In fact, as I'm studying this boring biochemistry, I can take a break by going to Google and getting pictures of people that have viruses that are coughing in my face. And that seems to actually help me so I can go back to studying. Might even be a motivating break from a boring job. And people that partake in these sins and they don't seem to be noticing any adverse effects, they start to believe that the Bible instruction against lust is old and antiquated, and only low IQ simpletons would actually believe that. But eventually the immune response phase occurs, which is phase three. Symptoms begin to develop, and your body is at war. Free radicals start to abound as a result of this war, and your cells start to get injured. They start to contract. They start to have lose permeability. And the whole host is being threatened. And that's when you get sick. And when you're sick, you become aware that something is wrong. In regards to COVID-19... Often what's not talked about is your sense of smell goes down. It's often one of the first symptoms. Food doesn't taste quite as good as it did before. And particularly healthy food, yuck. And I know I'm supposed to eat, and I know I should be hungry, but I'm not hungry. And then symptoms of a sore throat can occur. Fever can occur. Cough begins to occur. And even diarrhea and gastrointestinal symptoms develop. And of course, this is when they get tested. In fact, most people that develop these symptoms today, they're only thinking one thing. I need to get tested for COVID-19. In reality, it's probably another virus. There are more viruses that are more prevalent out there. By the way, I spoke about the incubation period of COVID-19. Anyone know what the incubation of the flu is, influenza? That's, that's quicker, one to two days. HIV incubation period can be months. And so depending on the sin, it takes a little bit longer for some sins to start manifesting symptoms a little bit shorter for others. But, you know, there are symptoms that something is wrong spiritually. This is a sign that there's a spiritual virus in the system. If you're no longer hungering and thirsting for righteousness, if you don't have a spiritual virus, 
You actually enjoy your devotions. You're looking forward to them. You're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. You don't have a desire to go where spiritual food is being served. It's being served. Any little excuse seems to be a good one to stay away. And also, you're no longer concerned, really, about helping Jesus save others who are experiencing the virus of sin in their lives. Your life starts to be more self-focused, and you're not so much interested in empathy and compassion for those who are suffering from the virus themselves. You become more interested in self-gratification. But then the symptoms can progress. The virus that was undetected and thought to be no big deal is now multiplying exponentially. It's taken over most of your cells in your lungs, your GI tract, and now even your heart. A lot of the COVID-19 deaths are due to what we call myocarditis, where the heart gets weak and can't pump the fluid from the lungs and swelling occurs. And then these symptoms develop shortness of breath, vomiting, fluid buildup in the lungs and body, and this is when the individual is no longer able to be taken care of home. This is when they have to be admitted to the ICU. High high, uh, flow oxygen, ventilators, inotropes to help that heart beat stronger, and pressors are being used to try to keep the blood pressure up that the heart can't seem to keep up on its own. And all of these interventions are occurring to try to keep this person alive long enough for their immune system to eventually get rid of this virus and to settle down. But there are symptoms that could indicate that you need ICU spiritual care. Failing school when you know your brain was previously capable. That can be a big one. What's happened? That should be a big wake-up call. I wanted to be this. I had every desire in the world to be. I know my brain was previously capable. What's happening? Possible pending job loss or pending dismissal from school. You recognize your boss is not happy with you. That your performance is down. And that school is wondering about you as well, and maybe you're starting to cause problems in the school. A possible pending divorce, where the spouse says, I can't live with you anymore. Unless you get help, I'm out of here. Talked with a gentleman yesterday. He's gone through three divorces. And his wife has left him for an entire year, but she hasn't divorced him yet. And he finally made the first visit to us and said, I realize if I don't get help, I'm going to lose this woman as well. Should have happened a lot earlier, but better late than never. Trouble with home relationships can be a symptom. If your parents and you aren't seeing eye to eye and your parents are godly parents, that can be a major sign that you're needing ICU care. 
If you're addicted to something you know is not good for you, and you think, well, it's not good for most people, but for me, I need it, and I can't seem to be able to get rid of this, that's a clear sign you're needing ICU care because your soul is at tremendous risk. Proverbs says, His own iniquities entrap the wicked man, and he is caught in the cords of his sin. Yes, those iniquities seem pretty harmless at first, but eventually the symptoms develop. And by the time they develop, your habit pattern is so firmly established that you can't get out of it on your own. And you seem to be helpless. This is basically what our depression and anxiety recovery program is. It's an ICU to a large degree of spiritual critical symptoms. And when you don't fight it off earlier in the course of infection, you'll be in a trap you can't get out of by yourself. But fortunately, there are ICUs in the physical sense in America that still have ventilators. And fortunately, there are still places you can go for ICU care today. Let's see, I may have... um put this out of order here. Let me see if I can get it here because I want to talk about, um, get to the immunity fighting aspect of things and the cure. By the way, is this making sense? All right. So, The cure for COVID-19 and in boosting our immunity is actually through New Start. For those of you who've been seeing the videos, we've been talking about New Start. Proper nutrition can help us in this war if we happen to come in contact with the virus. Uh, And regards to spiritual nutrition, we're now going to look at New Start from a spiritual perspective. What would be a good spiritual end? Anybody? The bread of life. Who is the bread of life? It's Jesus. And he said, those who don't eat my flesh will have no part with me. Those who don't eat his flesh. What does the Bible tell us was made flesh? What is his flesh specifically? The Word was made flesh. And so feasting on the Word of God spiritually is part of our protection against the deadly spiritual viruses. We're told those who hunger and thirst for that Word will be what? Will be filled. If we have hunger and thirst and we turn to this Word, God will fill us with good spiritual nutrition. What would the, the E stands for what? Exercise. What's the spiritual exercise? You know, exercise is something we use to strengthen what? Our muscles. And did you know there's something in our spiritual life that can be strengthened by use? It's actually the, the symbol of the skeletal muscle We could go into this. The the symbolism of skeletal muscles, which are strengthened by 
by use and faith are actually the same. And we're told to every man is given a what? A measure of faith. That's what God has implanted in each one of us. It's not our faith, it's his faith. But if your faith is weak, what does, it, what does it mean? It means you need to exercise it. Because it can get stronger. And how do you exercise it? Allowing the fruit of the Spirit to be exercised in you. And as far as this fruit of the Spirit, we talk about total community immunity, but that involves total community involvement. Notice this from nine testimonies. By personal labor, reach those around you. Become acquainted with them. Preaching will not do the work that needs to be done. Angels of God attend you to the dwellings of those you visit. Money lent or given will not accomplish it. Sermons will not do it. By visiting the people, talking, praying, sympathizing with them, you will what? You'll win hearts. This is the highest missionary work that you can do. To do it, you will need resolute what? Persevering faith. That means you need to continue to do this work, and a deep love for souls will keep you going back. I hope in your TCI involvement in your community, even though you haven't been able to go to their houses because of the county laws that are to protect us, you can actually still call them up. You can actually check in on them and see how they're doing During this time, I know it would do much to encourage their faith. The W is what? Water. What would be the spiritual water? There's the water of life. What did did you say? Oh, the Holy Spirit? Yes, they go together. How does water counteract the virus? Actually, it's through hydrotherapy. Not only staying hydrated, but hydrotherapy. And by the way, one of our faculty um, texted me and said it's not available immediately where you can log on to that uh, instruction tomorrow on hydrotherapy. That's between 5 and 6.30 on the CME event. But Dora Hunter sent out a message last night, and I think that has all the contact information. So... Um, feel free to forward that to whoever you would like. Medical ministry says water treatments, wisely and skillfully given, may be the means of what? Saving many lives. That's why we think it could help here as well, plus there's evidence for that that will be presented tomorrow. Let diligent study be united with careful treatments. Let prayers of faith be offered by the bedside of the sick as you do this, and let the sick be encouraged to claim the promises of God for themselves. So spiritual hydrotherapy is actually baptism. Baptism by water and of the Spirit, as the theology student correctly mentioned. John 3, 5, quoting Christ, unless you are what? Born of what? Water and of the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And this is being born again. That's what spiritual hydrotherapy is. It's that daily exercise in being born again and washed anew and asked through that hymn, baptize us anew. 
which would be great to sing even now. We're told sin is a hateful thing. It marred the moral beauty of a large number of the angels. It entered our world and well-nigh obliterated the moral image of God and man. But in his great love, God provided a way whereby man might regain the position from which he fell in yielding to the tempter. Christ came to stand at the head of humanity to work out in our behalf a perfect character. Those who receive him are what? Are born again. And this is what I would request you do for your spiritual immunity every day. At the start of the day is to be baptized anew. The S stands for sunlight. And we're told the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Interestingly, the Bible says S-U-N, not S-O-N in regards to that. And of course, sunlight in the physical sense brings vitamin D, which helps our immune system, serotonin, which helps our mood, helps our sleep. And sunlight always brings more clarity to the physical situation. And the spiritual sunlight is actually the light of truth. I would encourage you to learn a new spiritual truth every day. We underemphasize the importance of truth in boosting our immune system. We're told far more than we do, we need to understand the issues at stake and the conflict in which we are engaged. We need to understand more fully the value of the truths that God has given for this time and the danger of allowing our minds to be what? Diverted from those truths by the great deceiver. You know, that's been one of the blessings of this COVID-19 crisis. You know, those uh, things in society that are filled with spiritual viruses of sin have also been closed. You know, if you want to go out and go to a nightclub, you, you can't do it <laughs> today. That means that there's more time You know, the message last night was about taking time for devotions, taking time for learning truths. And if we don't do it when there's more time available of not having to go out and do all these other things, when are we? The first T is temperance, moderation in healthy things, abstinence from the unhealthy, and it involves self-control. But we know from the science standpoint, physical And emotional self-control always is preceded when it's comprehensive by self-sacrificing agape love. And that is a love that must come from outside of us. So open our hearts to God's love in our life, and we will be temperate. The A is for air. What would be your spiritual parallel here? What do we do to get air? We breathe. And you know, you can't go without breathing for very long without dying. And we were told that there was something we should do from the spiritual sense also without ceasing. What was that? Pray without ceasing. Breathing exercises are important. This is something we teach in our spiritual ICU of depression and anxiety recovery. Breathing exercises, you know, even once, in fact, I was uh, interviewing with um, uh, one of our attendees here today, uh, Matthew. Matthew's become quite the um, host 
uh, over there in the New Start. I know you guys will be looking forward to seeing those. But uh, he was interviewing me yesterday on this very topic of air, and I was telling him about once an hour, it's good to only breathe three times a minute. You can only do that by breathing deeply and not being short of breath. You won't be short of breath if you breathe three times a minute, if you're breathing deeply. And those exercises will help your oxygen saturation through that entire hour after you quit breathing deeply. And in the morning is the time for this fervent prayer. Fervent morning prayer, getting those deep breaths. And then throughout the day, staying in an attitude of prayer and constant communication with God. That's what Paul was talking about when he was saying pray without ceasing. Even in regards to our daily studies and work, having that communication with God. The R, the rest, what would that be spiritually? Somebody said it up here in the front. Sabbath rest. Is this a rest that only some people need? In order to have the best immune system, we all need that Sabbath rest. In fact, since doctors have to take care of COVID-19 patients in the ICU, there are some doctors who have scheduled themselves to work on Sabbath repeatedly that are Sabbath keepers. What do you think happens to their spiritual life when that happens? It's not good. The after effects are not good. That's why she said we should never provide free care on the Sabbath as well. Because she said you would be taken advantage of. In the Sabbath, if you provide care, you collect the money and you give it. Not to your, you don't take it to yourself, but you give it to those who are disadvantaged for their health care needs. That was the, the rule. But Sabbath rest is something that's important for everyone. An entire day to reflect on our Creator and our Redeemer, such as today. And the final T is trust. And in the physical sense, when we talk about new start, we talk about all these physical items, and then we get to T, and obviously that has a more spiritual component with trust in God. But I see this T on the spiritual sense being the flip. The first new star part of things are all spiritual immune system boosters. But one of the great spiritual immune system boosters is to trust in God's counsel for health of body and mind. In other words, practice a healthy lifestyle physically. If we can actually help fight off the COVID-19 virus more readily, we're going to be able to help ourselves spiritually as well by trusting in his counsel. Follow his instructions. As our frontal lobe becomes more healthy, it causes a healthier body, a healthier mind, and a healthier soul. We're told the infinite value of the sacrifice required for our redemption. Who was it that provided that sacrifice? It was Christ. The infinite value of what he did for us when he came here and lived the life that we should have lived to die the death that we deserve to die. The infinite value of that sacrifice required for our redemption reveals the fact that what? Sin is a tremendous evil. It's even worse than what we painted it here today. 
Sin is bad. It's worse than COVID-19. It's worse than HIV. It's worse than hepatitis C. It's worse than hepatitis B. The world is afraid of all of these viruses. But there's something they're overlooking that is far worse. But the good news is, well, here's more of the bad news. Through sin, the whole human organism is deranged. The mind is what? Perverted. The imagination corrupted. Sin has degraded the very faculties of the soul. But as the sacrifice in our behalf was complete, so our restoration from the defilement of sin is also complete. We have at our disposal the cure for a virus worse than COVID-19, and it's the virus of sin. And Christ, as the great physician, is willing to administer that cure to each one of us today. The end of all things is coming. That's what Ted Wilson spoke of. This is a sign, a wake-up call to the world. And soon the virus of sin will have made such a thorough infestation in humanity that despite cytokine storms, they won't desire the full and complete cure. This is a mystery, but those with a cytokine storm today, they want to be saved They're looking for ICU care to be saved. But soon the virus of sin is going to be so deranging to the soul that the soul will not even desire the spiritual cure, despite the fact that there's all these bad symptoms occurring. But we're told there will be a small group who will have been exposed, but are completely free of the virus of sin. These are those that have the faith of Jesus and keep the commandments of God. They have built up their antibodies, their spiritual immune system, and that spiritual immune system can protect them from any sin virus the devil tries to come up new to get it to infect you. And we're told when that happens, that's when probation closes. Those that are filthy, we're told, will be what? filthy still. Those that are righteous will be righteous still, and they will be sealed from getting the virus of sin. But for now, the door of salvation is open. Do you want to be cured of the deadly virus of sin? Do you want to don your personal protective equipment? It's important when we go out in the world just as faithful as Enoch was. Enoch couldn't be in the world too long, he noticed, until sin seemed to be not so sinful for him. And so he would go back into the country and get close to the Lord and then go back into the city only for the purposes of saving souls. But while we're in the city, we need to don our personal protective equipment. And finally, do you want to boost your spiritual immune system by partaking in spiritual new start. For anyone who wants to say yes to all three of those questions, I invite you to stand as we sing our closing song. If we'd had time today, I was going to give you some examples out of David's life in regards to his contact with sin and how the virus was finally exterminated to the point where he was sealed at the end. 
but uh, hopefully you can study that yourself. It's very much parallels COVID-19 and what we've talked about here today. But uh, whiter than snow, that's what God desires us to be as he washes us with his blood to make us whiter than snow. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.